0: I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today I'm talking with Mike and Ambergit Tollifer. They serve as the lead evangelist and senior women's minister at Mission Point Church in San Antonio, Texas. Mike and Ambergit have planted and led churches in the U.S., Brazil, and several African churches. They planted churches in over 40 nations in Africa over the course of 14 years. They have appointed 25 evangelists and women's ministry leaders and raised up many other leaders. They've been married for over 40 years and have three sons and three daughters-in-law. We talk about how they planted so many churches, what drove them, and some of the many miracles they've seen over the course of their ministry career. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I'm here in Long Beach, California at the Pacific Southwest Leaders Retreat. And we've just met for a couple days. Mike and Amberjeet, Tolliver have been the headliners speaking to our family of churches and the leaders within it. It's been a great time. What do you think, baby?
1: Oh, yeah, it's been wonderful. We're really grateful that you guys came and taught us. Amberjeet did a phenomenal job with the women's program. So happy that you're why. here.
0: And so we're sitting here with Mike and Amberjeet, Tolliver. Mike and Amberjit, so great to talk to you in person
1: great to be here.
0: Tremendous to be
2: here. Thank honor. you for your podcast and all you do. Yes,
0: it's, it's been great, and I know that I've been uh, doggedly trying to get you on this podcast, and I appreciate that we we trapped you right here <laughs> in, in Long Beach, and we got you, cornered you, couldn't you go us. anywhere, yeah. so yeah. thank you so much. So glad this worked
2: out.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get started. How'd you guys become Christians?
2: Oh, uh, what a story, eh? Yeah. She and I have known each other since we were little kids. Well <laughs> we attended the same, our families attended the same uh, uh, mainline traditional Church of Christ in Northern Virginia outside Washington DC. So I was seven, she was four and we have we don't have <laughs> yeah, any rem- memories of back then in the 1960s, but uh, we were um, we were there in their, in the Sunday school and in the church services together. And uh, my memories of her begin, you know, just uh, camp and uh, whatever. We were friends in high school, and we are we were high school sweethearts. I oh, mean, wow. she was in high school. Yeah, you, I
3: was in high school. You were in college. I was in I college. Snagged the college guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, so yeah, Yes. Yeah. yes. So, That's important. Yeah, glad you know, I
2: just said that. Yeah. But Ambergite was for me. I was a sophomore at the University of Colorado, and uh, a, a studying environmental design with a Aimed toward architecture, and, and, but I was changing. And the, the very non Christian Mike who arrived in Boulder uh, was uh, and visited the church where Tom Brown preached a few times, but I just wasn't that interested. And then as I began to change during the year, my interest in Anne really took off because I knew Anne Brigitte's a really fine. Fine lady. And I, <laughs> all of a sudden, all wow. at
3: seventeen years old, <laughs> and,
2: and my lady mom is recommended. And I, wow. when I went back home that summer, we started dating. Mm. Now the question was how we became Christians. Yes. Oh boy, okay. So anyway, um, got baptized at Abilene Christian University, where we were both. St- we met up with folks. I met up with people from Crossroads, and we were and, that were guys that were getting their masters. And, uh, so we had a Bible talk and, and I realized that I had not done anything like I hadn't, I hadn't obeyed the gospel when I was baptized at 11 years old. I hadn't, I hadn't become a disciple. And I said, man, I need to do this myself. Um, but, but we have known each other all these years. And, uh, since, uh, so 56 years.
3: Giving it away. Wow. 56 <laughs> That's
2: years. Great. I've wow. known her. Yeah. Wow.
3: I think my path was a little different than Mike's. I, Mike, you know, lived a, a real double life in high school. Went to school, went to church on Sunday mornings after a, a night out partying on Saturday night. And I was just a goody-goody. And I just thought I was all that religiously, right? I just followed all the rules and loved God and cried when I read my Bible and was initially baptized at ten and a half. And as when, so when he was baptized in Abilene, I was very happy for him, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, he had changed (laughs) and I was really grateful (laughs) for that. And I couldn't really uh, see my own religious pride. There was a lot of sincerity there, Mm -hmm. a lot of really wanting to follow God. And we moved to Boston in 1982 and I was studying the Bible with people. Mm -hmm. And as I studied the Bible with people, I thought, you know, I didn't do this. Wow. But then I thought, no, I must have done it right. because I am a Christian. Right. Kind of a retroactive right. thing right. that doesn't really, <laughs> really jive with the Bible. But, and so when we were, we were part of the original New York City mission team, yeah. and as we were coming over the George Washington Bridge, I looked over at the city and I thought, you know, I can't help anybody here become a Christian if I won't own where I'm really at. Wow! And so I was one of the uh, baptisms that summer in in New York City. Uh, just finally had the courage uh, to admit that i really wasn't saved the way the bible said and it was very freeing it was awesome so that's my road was a little different than mike's mm. and he uh, he asked me one time he said so you're telling me that when you were little if your parents had decided to not be christians you would have stayed going to church i was 10. And I said, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, just like, I, really, I really couldn't see myself very accurately. No, I mean, like what 10-year-old's going to do that? Right. So my religious pride mm. ran pretty deep, but I was grateful. I was grateful for the patience people had with me and really the grace and the love. Nobody mm. came down hard. and it's just really a good journey to right. that moment. You know? So what, let, me,
2: let me stitch it together just sure, little, so that it makes sense. Okay, so there was this pagan architectural student in Colorado but I went back to Virginia to where we had grown up and and when we and we started dating and then I switched to Abilene so I'm so different than a lot of people in the ICOC in the sense that I I went to Abilene I got a degree in theology I was I wanted to be in the ministry in the mainline and then I met up with guys doing Bible talks and really making disciples and I said wow this is great this is fantastic and so I actually invited Mitch Mitchell to have lunch with me. No one invited me. Right. I, I, I invited him. I said, come on, I want you to take me to lunch. I want you to tell me all about what you, or I want to take you to lunch, and I want you to tell me all about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So we went out and had lunch, which meant that then Ambergita and I, uh, I got baptized in Abilene. We got married in 1981. Mm-hmm. And when, when I graduated, we went to North Carolina. So we were part of the original triangle Mission team. Wow. Really? We were a part of the original Triangle mission team. Then we moved to Boston, and they asked us after one year, would you go on the New York City mission team? And, of course, the last paper that I had written before I I got my degree was on planting a church in New York. So here I am about... 18 months later, wow. saying, "Okay, we're headed to New York to plant a church in this great city," <laughs> really and we great. were number 17 and 18 on the original New York City mission team.
0: Wow! Wow, wow that's that, yes. that's amazing. I remember you talking about that in a class earlier today. That you had written that paper on. It's almost like you're a prophet. Like the Spirit mm. put that on your heart. Mm. Going to New York City.
2: It was it was really something to be to sit down and and theologically and, and from a just a practical standpoint, you know, how would I how would I do this? And now here eighteen months later the two of us are looking for an apartment in Queens, you know, somewhere about forty 42nd street in Queens, Third, right, no. you know, 43rd, right, yeah. riding the seven train into wow. New York. So for all the New Yorkers that are listening, yep. Mm-hmm. We were there mm-hmm. very early on. I wow. mean, original members of the team and we were living in Queens and wow. going to Manhattan to do campus ministry during the day. That's amazing. Okay.
0: So you, you went to CU Boulder. Tom Brown was there, not open, hard-hearted, went back to Virginia. Me, not Tom. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Went back, had yeah. a turnaround. Started dating again. You guys got married shortly after that.
2: Yep,
3: after my freshman year in college, I was nineteen. He was twenty-two.
2: Yeah, I immediately. I spent this. We spent one summer dating in Northern Virginia, and I and I switched to Abilene. But you must have had like a, a spiritual, not a conversion,
0: but at least a change of heart. Like I want to get more spiritual. I'm going to go to to Abilene.
2: Absolutely, okay. and and study Bible and theology and get a degree. I mean, I it was a radical and quick change. Yeah. I, I think I really needed that time in Abilene just to mature as a person and to let that decision sink in. And I'm glad I had that time. And uh, I joke with some of the guys, you know, I had a degree in theology before it was cool. You know? <laughs> so, but it was good for me. It yeah. was a good time for me to, yeah, okay, so
0: then you guys got married. Did you go to Abilene? I also? did as well. Okay. okay, so you both graduated from there.
3: I didn't graduate from. I because I was three. I'm three years younger than Mike, okay. so um, so I did further schooling in New York City for a while.
0: A I say? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then early years, New York City yeah. was absolutely explosive in its right. growth. Can you give us just kind of some uh, fill in of of what you saw there in the during the short time you were in New York City?
3: You know. What I loved about it is it, the tagline that Steve and Lisa would talk about is fun, fruit, and family. Mm-hmm. And it really was a fun time. There was not a lot of pressure. We all worked hard. Uh, it was amazing. And, you know, in Manhattan, there's millions of people walking around, and there's 18 of us on the team, and we'd run into each other. I mean, you know, just <laughs> all these spirit moments, right, yeah. as you're sharing your faith. But it was so much fun. We had fun events. Church was fun. Church was at 3 in the afternoon, which helped every New Yorker um, mm-hmm. to sleep in. But it I just think it was, and there was relationship, and there was training. I, I just think that that was, it, was just, it really was. It wasn't a complicated program. Mm. Is we're going to all go out. We're going to share our faith. Yeah. We're going to share about Jesus. We're going to study the Bible with people. We're going to be friends. We're going to build family. Right and it was just god blessed it in an amazing way
2: we we definitely worked hard and we loved what we were doing and but we were having so much fun it was a lot of fun a lot of family a lot of friendships just a lot of i mean how you know we were enjoying new york it was wow. a, it was a great city and the it was just the church grew <laughs> so well 60 baptisms the first year wow. Wow. And then a uh, hundred and eighty baptisms the second year. Wow! It just it was exploding. Yeah. But Ambergee and I, interestingly enough, something that we started way back in nineteen eighty four was we we took a, day, a full day off in the ministry. We just said really? Mondays we were gonna we we'd work hard all till Sunday, yeah. and then Monday we just said. We are gonna, we're gonna disappear. We're just gonna disappear, and that was something that's blessed wow. our marriage mm. all these years. That started all the way back in <laughs> wow. New York. Just, yeah. just we're gonna have a day together, the two of us. We may go to Jones Beach or Central Park mm. or something, and uh, we, maybe we'll go see a movie or something. But we're just gonna take that day off, and that has blessed our marriage and mm. just life yeah. immensely over the the last uh, three or four decades. Well, that's
0: decades. what was so powerful about your sharing earlier or yesterday in terms of making those decisions to, to prioritize your family, your marriage, and then later on when you had kids to do that. And I'm sure that's contributed to the longevity of your ministry, staying in the ministry, when so many people have, have either dropped out or gotten out of it. I think so. Mm-hmm.
3: I think that disconnect is, you know, is
1: important. Can you guys give me an overview of where you've been since your <laughs> conversion? You know, how long were you in New York and kind of go from there? Yeah, we
2: were in New York for four years. Uh, we, we did a, a language internship in 86 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And then uh, after we left Brazil in late at the very last few days of, of 1988 and switched to Africa. So we were in Africa for 14 years. And then mm-hmm. came back from Africa in 2003 uh, to San Antonio, Texas. So that's an overview of where we've been, and we're so still connected. Yeah, thirty
3: thousand.
2: That's view. a that's a rapido. <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, but we're still connected. We still are, are. We still try to be supportive of the work in Brazil and uh, and, and in Africa. And uh, love all that God is doing.
0: Okay, so we, Pam and I, have a connection to Brazil now because our daughter married a man born in Brazil. Yes. And his name is Felipe Marias, the son of Dacio and Diana Marias and uh, Dacio is one of the early converts I yes absolutely
3: i studied the bible with diana yeah. at hunter college oh yes, yes yes she went on, she yes. went on the original mission yeah. team as a single woman so we are connected yes yeah, we're right. family i think yes, i think thank that makes it yeah.
1: yeah thank you
0: in your lesson you said brazilians are great people and i just oh. gave you a big oh. amen to that i <laughs> 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 believe he's just an awesome guy <laughs> I just love the guy yeah, yeah. But uh let's how did you guys get selected to go to Brazil? Yeah. And here you are, you're part of a great mission planting right there in yeah, New what York was City. The connection? Like how did it happen? How did yeah. it develop? Well, it was the early days, right? And uh you you tell the
1: story. It was, it well, was great. Well,
2: it's, it's that it was. Where do you want to go? And and because we we moved to train, it was right. always our goal to train right. and to end up in a large urban. You know, I wrote the paper on New York, but right. New York was taken, and, <laughs> and, and, and they were doing great, yeah. and, and they were eager to send. Ooh. You know, and so we uh, so uh, Steve said, "Where do you want to go?" Hmm. And so we wow. we prayed, we thought. And São Paulo, Brazil, um, uh, was at that point the third largest city on earth, and wow. uh, I I actually have relatives who were missionaries to Brazil okay. in the Mainline Church of Christ, and we 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 just felt a a, a connection uh-huh. here with São Paulo, and we thought this is this is just. This is a world city. São Paulo is the New York of Brazil, mm. and in a lot of ways, maybe the New York of South America. Huh. And Rio, Rio de Janeiro, is sort of the Los Angeles. Mm. And so, for for Brazil, it's a, it's just a great, great city. And so, we prayed and prayed, and we and that's where we wanted to go. Wow. Wow
3: and that was back in the days when you know you did research on an in an encyclopedia that you opened, right? there's no 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 google no, well you know what does it look like i mean you know it's like okay here's the encyclopedia picture of sao paulo
1: so yep. what was the
0: first like first year like in in brazil what what what, uh, what was your plan mm. what was your idea what was your your uh, you know basically your game plan going into foreign country first time
1: and yeah, how many people went with you
3: we had 15 on the team um we had started uh language lessons before we went and then we planted the church in 87 but we had done a two month two and a half month language internship with almost the whole team for two months the summer before that the okay. june july before that and we had intensive language instruction which was fantastic we actually even brought our language instructor back with us to New York for a while. So she lived with us and kept teaching us. So we felt pretty, um, that that was pretty important Uh to be able to communicate. We just loved it. Like you said, the people are amazing They're but we loved it. We we hit the ground, just embracing the city, embracing the culture, embracing the food, the people, football meaning right. soccer yes. right. um yeah. just the whole thing yeah. and it was again it was it wasn't complicated but it was we're here to help people know Jesus mm. so we used every opportunity we used every errand because again it's an urban city you're walking everywhere it's not like you're getting in your car and going someplace right, right? so right. getting on the bus coming back from the bus we just all of us used every opportunity that we had wow. And so many people responded, the first Bible talks, and Dacio was part of that, your, um, your daughter's father-in-law, yeah. right? Um, and so I just think it was a lot of fun. There were so many funny moments with the language, right? So we were very bonded with those early Christians and all the mistakes the Americans made, right, on, on stuff. Uh, just so many funny stories, but again, it was fun. It was our goal here is to help people become Christians and love them and family. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, to this day, there are people in the, in the Sao Paulo church that Mm -hmm. go all the way back to Mm. those first months and the bond is there. The tie is there. The love is there. And I just think it was a really magical, um, incredible time. Yeah. Mm
2: Yeah. Brazil had had a military government for a long time, and they were just coming out of it right after we arrived there. And there was just a really good positive. the country was. The sun was coming up. The sun was rising in right. Brazil and they they and it was just beautiful. And Brazilians are beautiful people. They are just a beautiful people and 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 we just we just tried to have fun and family and fruit and uh, and just have a great time and learn the language. I'm convinced that people came to church just to hear the American botch Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sometimes sure I'm, I'm yeah. sitting there, I'm standing there, I'm trying to make a, yeah. a somewhat serious point. Yeah. Everyone bursts out laughing. Yeah. Okay. We have yeah. to stop. I don't know what I said, but you <laughs> know, <That's so> funny. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy.
1: Wow. So how, how long did it take before you were able to do a sermon in portuguese was there that like translation time where you're preaching in english and someone's translating for you or did you just go we're gonna start this right away after your language training
2: i think we did some messages that were translated but it was we did a lot of work in new york to get ready for it okay and then that uh i would i would work really hard on those sermons so that i could be ready to give sermons so pretty much wow. from day one uh, when the church was officially planted, I was preaching in Portuguese wow. um, and, you know, a lot of notes and the notes each week shrank every month, shrank less and less. And then finally I said, you're just going to do every sermon for a while on one page of notes just wow. so that it's conversational, so that I'm looking more to get really looking at people and talking and talking. And, and it, God blessed us. Portuguese is a beautiful language, and, uh, and we, we loved it. And it was, uh, it was a heartfelt language, you know, and we became fluent in it. Wow. And even to this day, you know, we, we speak Portuguese every day in the, in the home, and we'll say we'll have a, a few minutes. It just it just happens. Not wow. like we work on it. We huh. just it, we just speak in Portuguese every day. At some point, for a few minutes. Huh. A lot of times when the kids were growing up, it was if we want to say something to each other, <laughs> and the kids don't
1: understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, Of course,
2: you know, in South Texas, where a lot of people speak Spanish, you know, they might understand because mm-hmm. the two are very the two right. are close but right. different. Right. I feel like Portuguese. It's sort of like. Uh, Somebody from Louisiana talking to Queen Elizabeth. That's about the distance between Spanish and Portuguese. I mean, they're, you know, but we we loved it. And and it turned out, we thought, uh, when we left, that we'd spent all that time learning Portuguese. Right. And then we ended up several years later in Johannesburg with a Portuguese ministry that was reaching out to Mozambicans and Angolans who speak Portuguese. Wow. came in... there's never been, and now they joke in Brazil with me. Mike, you have a little bit of a, of a Mozambican accent. I
1: don't. I
3: maintained uh. my Sao Paulo accent. Yeah, I did.
2: Linguistic I did. purity. Yes, linguistic
3: yes. purity. Oh, okay, like...
0: you, you have to have at least one, uh, you got to share at least one story where you really botched it okay. in language. Um, it? Yes.
3: Can I share your story? Oh, sure. Okay, so we're sitting in church, and he is so fired up about Bring Your Neighbor Day. <laughs> I mean, just so excited about it. And he gets up, and he says, don't forget, you know, we're having our Bring Your Neighbor Day next week. And the word in Portuguese for, for neighbor is vizinho. Mike said vazinho, which is little vase. So he did this entire announcement on, don't forget, next week is Bring Your Little Vase Day. And all the little vases don't know how to sing, and they
2: don't know the songs, and share your songbook with them. And, he and don't went on, just leave and, them standing over there alone. <laughs> right.
3: And so people started to kind of snicker and Mike didn't really realize it that he thought everybody's really with me. Yeah. And so he kept going and embellishing. And it was that was that was a pretty famous one. That was
2: famous. And then shout out to Jim Brown. Jim Brown one of the one of the most one of the famous mistakes as well. Is uh, is Jim preaching in a devotional about I, I'm I was cli- I was mountain climbing in Montana. Jim's a mountain guy from Montana. I was climbing a mountain in Montana, and I, and I didn't have rope, and he didn't know the word, so he guessed ropa <laughs> and he said I was climbing mountains in Montana without clothes on <laughs> because ropa is your clothing <laughs> and corda uh, is rope
1: sometimes uh, it works to do that and people yeah, began
2: the <laughs> first they look at you like was this sort of an existential experience you were having <laughs> and then they realize you're making a mistake uh-huh. and everybody oh, yeah, busts so out loud funny. oh my oh, gosh
3: my that's gosh, awesome. that is so. he funny. had a lot of famous
1: women oh, oh he yeah. And
2: Jim has many of mine yeah. that he could yeah. share. I mean, there's we, we all made them, and it just contributed to the, it just contributed to the fun. You know, yeah. it was a part of the fun.
0: Yeah, and just to see the church grow so much yeah. and uh, led by you know non-native speakers, right. it's the it's power of God. It's just mm-hmm. awesome. Now, you could have spent the rest of your career there. I mean, that's just a wow. massive nation. Uh, incredibly wealthy nation in terms of resources, but you ended up going to Africa. Okay, yeah. why? Why did yeah. that happen? Why How? didn't you stay there in in, in Brazil?
2: Mm. Forces beyond our control. <laughs> we thought we were going to stay there, and we were we were convinced that we were going to that our grandchildren would do uh, homework on the table we bought for the dining room. Right. But what happened was that our churches reorganized themselves into world sectors, and so. Uh, So now, uh, 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 all of Latin America was going to be linked together. All the Spanish and Portuguese and the one Portuguese-speaking country would be linked together to make the world sector uh, for Latin America. And so, New York was going to be connected to Africa. Mm. And so they said, well, listen, um, you know, how about if you, 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 you have a choice you want to you want to stay in brazil and switch or you want to go to africa and we said we'll go to africa we'll continue to work with the johnsons and uh we'll go to africa and and so we did and it was with a lot of tears but we felt like okay this is the lord's will um we we it was it was tough it was a very tough uh time but for it was a tough decision we really loved everybody loved them immensely but we said okay it's off to, onward to Africa, and uh, and we had, we, we agreed and went, so sight unseen, we hadn't even been. So the first thing we did was in, an, in uh, we left Brazil in late 88, uh, December, and then in 89, in February, we took our first scouting trip uh, th- all throughout Africa. We did a scouting trip uh, from Abidjan and uh, Lagos and and Nairobi and Johannesburg, Harare, whatever we were, in various cities. And uh, yeah, so that's how it happened.
3: Wow. It was a little harder sell for me. I think mm. I really, my heart was so attached. Yeah. And I really, really thought we'd live there the rest of our lives. Yeah. I, my mother is French, and so we'd have giggles at the table sometime with her accent You know, growing up. And I thought, I'm gonna become my mother. My <laughs> kids are gonna grow up and speak. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brazilian, I'm yeah. Portuguese like yeah. a Brazilian because that's how they're going to grow up and they're going to laugh at me Grown, up. I just, there was so much. And so it was, but it ended up being honestly a decision that was relationally based. Mm. We didn't know the people that were going to be leading Latin America, but we knew Steve and Lisa and right. we felt like it was a relational decision for us, uh, a long-term. And so I would say that was a deciding factor it wasn't the deciding factor but and i'm glad we did
0: Mm -hmm. so okay so 86 you went to brazil Mm -hmm. 88 you left Mm -hmm.
2: late 88 end of 88
0: okay and then you went to johannesburg is that where you landed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh we
2: landed first it was a it's a confusing we spent uh, a month in harare zimbabwe and Left a group behind. We it was in we, June, right? We were it was in June. It was yeah, something right like that. June. June, have, of yeah, uh-huh. June of
3: eighty nine. Yeah, June
2: of eighty nine. We mm-hmm. spent, uh, we spent a little bit of time in Nairobi, and we mm-hmm. left uh, Jim Brown there and Tom mm-hmm. and Lori Ziegler, mm-hmm. and we went over, and then we went to Abidjan mm-hmm. and spent uh, eleven months, almost a year. Wow. I wish we'd have spent a few more months because my French is basically. I think I speak French like Tarzan. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, my French is okay, and I, I was able to speak in French in front of the church, but it, it never became like Portuguese. It never did for me. But I still, you know, I understand what people are saying, and it was good. So we were in Abidjan, and so from then, after one year in Abidjan, back to Nairobi for two years, um, and then after that, down to Johannesburg.
3: Wow. Johannesburg made it move made sense because um the couple that was there had left um and then another couple was leading but apartheid was still in place and then when everything um lifted down there and apartheid was abolished and it just was the city that made sense to to lead from you know just a, a big city an economic powerhouse for for Africa. And so we moved there in September of 92.
2: Wow. But I, I ha, I want to, I, I can't tell you how much we learned living in our first long stop was Nairobi for two years mm-hmm. and Nairobi, Kenya. It was, it was beautiful. It's just, it's beautiful. Nairobi is mm-hmm. at about 5,300 feet of elevation right on the equator. So you have the, you have Kilimanjaro that's snow-capped, even though it's on the equator. You've got a, a beautiful climate there and a wonderful people. Kenyans wow. are just amazing, amazing people. And Nairobi, it's a very crowded city today. It was it was less crowded back then, but um, we enjoyed it. And I, and I went and I, I learned Swahili. I was became fluent in Swahili. Wow. I, I, I have no one to practice with it's my <laughs> problem. So hey, do you speak Swahili? Oh. Uh, no, yeah. Sorry, I yeah. don't. But I mean, we would preach in it and teach in it, and um, and and I, I think Ambrosia and I, we really, I loved Nairobi. It was a beautiful, and I loved Abidjan. We learned so much about Africa, and then on to Johannesburg, where we also fell in love. But each place taught us a, mm. lessons, cultural and spiritual.
0: I just remember hearing so many stories about Nairobi, about the street preaching, about the crowds gathering. I mean, uh, Bob Stia is in our church mm. in yes. Tucson, and yeah. he tells me stories. Yeah. And Studied I know, the Bible with uh, Sankey. Yes. I talked yeah. to uh, Hervé in an earlier podcast about you know his time in in Abidjan. But can you tell me a little bit more about you know that street preaching in Nairobi? Because mm-hmm. it just, I remember hear, hearing about it, going, this is incredible. Because <laughs> I had done a little bit of that at UC Berkeley, but it was more just kind of like to get you pumped up and kind of just show that you're a bold person. But <laughs> it seemed like it was actually effective there in Nairobi.
2: Oh, I think it was. I mean,
0: yeah. actually,
3: you guys had we had started in Abidjan.
2: Yeah, we. Which when
3: you had that Bible study.
2: We had started it, and uh, and so we we started to go downtown and preach. And what would happen would be uh, we would have uh, two, three, four hundred people. Um, that would that would just stop on the on the on the pavement there downtown. They had a big open walkway, a nice little walkway there, whatever the word is. And uh, so, I, well, we would always start with me speaking in English, and it being translated into Swahili. And I think Kenyans found that interesting. Okay, I can you know I can sharpen my English. I can hear this American, whatever. And then we would go like that, and then after about three or four minutes, we'd switch. Now I would start speaking Swahili, and then and he would translate into English. And, and so then I would start joking, you know, ha-ha, you thought this Mzungu didn't speak any Swahili, but he does. <laughs> and so we're like, and that made everybody laugh, and it just and we just started, we had tremendous times. And so we rented this restaurant right across the street, and we said... Everybody that would like to learn more about the Bible, just come on across the street. We're on the second floor here of this restaurant. And wow. some days 20, some days 30, people would just walk across the street with us. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, uh, and it, it was kind of like, come follow me. And, <laughs> and people came and, wow. and great friendships began and mm-hmm. people just loved learning the scriptures. It, it was just a, you know, it was a beautiful thing.
3: It really, it actually made the paper. One Friday, uh, th- or Thursday, it was like, things to do in downtown Nairobi during lunch hour. Really? Go <laughs> listen to the tall white guy Ooh. preach. <laughs> 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 was, was oh. one of the things. It was, they
2: made the paper. Okay, you can check well. this out, check that out, or listen. And to this day, my friends in Kenya, say, they call me the mzungu Mrefu. The tall white guy, because I would say, follow the tall white guy right across the street here. And uh, so I'm still in Nairobi.
3: It's just powerful to watch.
2: God
1: work.
0: Oh, absolutely. That's very powerful. Now, there are at least 50 countries in Africa. You're in charge of the, the 2000 plan or... I can't, was that the name of the, the, the six year plan? The six, six year plan right, six to, year to plan. get a church in every country that had a city of at least a hundred thousand.
1: Oh, good. Good memory. Hummer, and that and <laughs> I mean,
0: I, I was a younger Christian. Yeah. I was an intern at that time, but I, I was very excited about that time. But I remember hearing that, you know, Africa in particular is a very oh. difficult place to try to get that done. I know there's a lot of stress involved. What was your plan? What did you run into trying to accomplish that mission?
1: Wow.
2: I think that the um the plan of 6 years into 40 plus countries was probably a little too aggressive. <laughs>
3: that's that's an understatement. <laughs>
2: yeah. Okay. But, wow. but it was well intentioned. Yes. I I think it made sense yeah. on most other continents, but Ooh. for us we were certainly we we did reach the goal, but uh um we knew it, here's what was good. Here's what it forced us to do that was good. We knew that we had to establish training centers for ministers. So to make that goal, we had to get busy discipling and training ministers. And we need we it kept us very serious on ministry, learning, discipling, training, staff training. We were we were really on it, and so we worked for hard for Nairobi, and for. Uh, Lagos, Nigeria, mm-hmm. and for Abidjan, mm-hmm. and then eventually uh, also Kinshasa Zaire would be added as a fifth pillar church with Johannesburg. And wow. we we knew we had great people, but, you know, hindsight looking back now, we realized that we had marvelous people hmm. like Hervé and Janet Florent uh, leading in Abidjan, or Richard and Sarah Alawaye leading in Nairobi and Nietzsche and Daisy Aguaya just to me heroes fearless I mean, in, Lagos. Yeah. in Lagos fearless fearless people uh, Americans who came over and all of whom ended up going back some of these others like uh, you mentioned Bob Stia Bob yeah. Stia was just fearless he was amazing amazing <laughs> yes. so many people like that shout outs to Dave Dave Peden and many others that I just I mean I just and of course Tom and Lori Ziegler. So we had, looking back, this Mm -hmm. collection of people Mm -hmm. who loved the Lord and were effective in training up couples, and that's what happened. And Mm -hmm. so places like Lagos and Abidjan, Nairobi and Johannesburg trained people and really got those teams ready, and the support from the U.S. churches was amazing to plant these churches. Mm The special contributions of the 1990s yeah. are still historic for the African churches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you New Yorkers, Atlantans, everyone that gave in those special contributions, mm-hmm. God bless you. Yeah. The impact is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's yep. like that. They are still bearing fruit uh, 30 years, 35 wow. years later. So. Oh, wow. That would be how I think the Lord just blessed the work just by getting us going training.
1: Oh.
3: And I think, you know, um it was overreaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm you know, I and I wish we had known more, but you always do when you look back, right? You right. always wish yeah. I wish we had done this, I wish we had done that. Because I do think that some places were cheated out of really well trained people mm-hmm. because of the frenzied pace. Mm-hmm but there were some places where the training really really was there mm. and bore fruit mm-hmm. and i i i really appreciate the people that went out and had barely any training mm. and they stayed faithful right yeah. they stayed yeah. faithful it was yeah. about god it was yeah. about getting a seed planted in a place mm-hmm. and i just think their faith was also just yeah. to me astounding mm-hmm. you know we were we were surrounded by good solid teams of people and 15 to sao paulo or 18 to sao paulo 15 to Abidjan, 11 or 12 which seemed really small to nairobi but there were people that went out and there were three of them right to go plant churches in hard cities and <laughs> so i i also just marveled at people's faith mm. um and their desire to just mm-hmm. wow i just want people to know about god so yeah.
2: One Thank hero you. that I just, we all just, is Mark and Diane Onweller. Yeah. So Mark sold his medical practice Gosh. there in Atlanta and came over and began to help the poor and I mean, yeah. even he was ABC's Man of the Week one time. He's just an amazing mm-hmm. individual. Mm-hmm. Move the family, move yeah. the whole family. I mean, and it just God blessed us with people like that. Sure, yeah. I'll go to Africa. Yeah. Sure, we'll give it all. Yeah, we'll go. Right. Yeah, we'll learn the language. We'll, uh-huh. we'll learn the food. We'll learn to dance. We'll learn mm-hmm. to, you know, just it's just it's amazing. Yeah. it's amazing.
1: I know that you guys have three boys. Mm-hmm. Um, where where were they born and? What was that like, just raising your, your children on the mission field?
3: Matthew was born in Brazil, okay. and Nathan was born in Abidjan, and Joshua was born in Nairobi wow. in under four years, all of those. <laughs> so we had babies in a lot of different places. Um, you know, I think it was a real blessing uh, on so many fronts. Uh, you know, people will say to us, wow, you had your kids outside the U.S., mm-hmm. and I'm like, Yeah, I did. (laughs) I I, I think part of it was I was young. Yeah, sure, I'll have my babies here. Um, But it was such a blessing. And I think it gave them, we came back, we we came to the States, uh, moved back in 2003. And our oldest son, Matthew, was going into high school. Uh, Nathan was going into eighth grade and Joshua was going into fifth grade. But it, it gave them a different perspective on life, you know, that Everybody doesn't have everything. There's, mm. there's a lot of poverty out there. There's a lot of... Um, but they also, I think it was such a blessing for them, don't you think, Mike, that they, they had lots of different friendships, lots, I mean, completely multicultural, mm-hmm. right? There was no lines. And I think that that was a real blessing to them as well. Mm. Wow.
2: I heard a class before we went to Brazil taught by a, um, a former missionary. And he said something. He said, When you get to Brazil and you're fluent in Portuguese, you are no closer to understanding these people than when you, before you knew Portuguese. Hmm. And I thought, no. <laughs>
1: that can't with all
2: be your true. grand
3: experience, right? With all <laughs> all, that all, can't all,
2: be it's true. Just, uh, with all my grand humility. No, yeah. And after learning Portuguese in Brazil, I realize that he was exactly right, mm. that it's one thing to speak the language, but it's another thing to understand the culture. Mm. What does this fellow that I'm sitting across the table reading the Bible with, what, how does he feel about money, success, time, his children, mm. hope for the future? How does he feel about his his daughter's 15th birthday or whatever? I mean, how does he... These special foods, this culture, this outlook on life was so mm. different, was mm. so different. And, and, I, it, and I think one thing Brazil taught us was that it's not about being bilingual, it's about being bicultural. Mm. And when we went to Africa, we knew, what we knew was we knew we didn't know. Mm. We didn't know the culture. We didn't understand africa and so we dived in to understand Mm -hmm. the culture and that's uh that's something that you know we all here in america we live in this big 350 million you know big uh continent of a country and uh but the but these cultures it's real it's real and everyone who's lived abroad they understand that principle Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely
3: and i think it really helped our kids yeah you know you can go back to your question i think that the recognition of different cultures, mm-hmm. not really being raised in a certain bubble—I mean, a Christian bubble for sure, right? But um, I just think it made their life experience richer.
2: The kids loved it, hey. Right. I think, but uh, of course, she- they didn't
3: know any different, right? they—they right, I mean, they, they, they had never lived in the U.S. before we moved. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know Two thousand.
2: would almost died giving birth to Nathan. That was she would have died, except she just had an exceptional doctor in Abidjan that had trained in France. For that wow. especially she just had issues when Nathan was born that that mm. killed people in the U.S. And, and it's just, so we were really, it was that was a close call, and, uh, but-
1: But here we are.
2: But here we are. Mm. Wow.
1: Wow.
0: Why'd you come back? Why'd you come back to the States? I mean, you've done this amazing work.
2: You've built up all these churches.
0: You've got churches all over the continent of Africa. Why'd you come back?
2: well scott green said you know the gold standard for mission work is to go and get it going and trained up and and to be able to move on with it being successful we didn't really want to come back until but by by the year 2002 we actually were talking about maybe it is time to come back and to Mm. allow people to stand on their own now you know we had uh 03 was a tumultuous time for our churches, and a lot of churches just everything was put on pause, including special contributions and whatever. And so we felt like, you know what, this is probably a good time to go, and uh, and let's and the the Africans are absolutely ready. We'll continue to be connected, but this seemed like a good time to go, and it seemed like a good time to go financially, but it seemed like a good time to go spiritually. We probably brought it up nine months earlier, and we stayed until July of '03, and uh, and decided, okay, this was... Uh, and we came on back to the U.S., uh, to San Antonio, Texas. Thank you, Greg Moretzky, for mentioning San Antonio to us.
0: Ah, but yeah. why, why San Antonio? Yeah, I how'd mean, that come about?
2: San Antonio is not a... <laughs>
0: Careful, international metropolis. I mean, <laughs> no, I not. could see New York City, I could see Miami, L.A., Seattle, even San Francisco, but not San Antonio. Why did you go to San Antonio?
3: Well, we—it was interesting. We, Mike was kind of prescient about everything. Um, he thought, you know what, the way things are unfolding, nobody's going to move us anywhere.
0: Kind of like in the past. Right. Here's, mm-hmm. here's an
3: opening right. we want You're you to get assigned. Right. 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 There were no. He said there are no more assignments right. coming. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, so he called friends in the states and said, "Hey, we're going to be coming back. Mm-hmm. We, you know, do you have any openings right. in right. places where you are?" So we um, we interviewed in four places, and one of those was San Antonio, and we we really prayed about each place, mm-hmm. and that just seemed. The healthiest place, mm. um, which was all relative in those times, but it seemed, and they had um, they had a lot of teens that were mm. involved that was important to us. Yeah. For, and we just felt like they also wanted what we had to offer. Mm. They wanted a lead um, evangelist. They wanted us to be able to do there what we had been doing in, in Africa. And I think that played a huge part in San Antonio.
2: Mm-hmm. We did interview in, in places, but it was also... Um, I'm, I was born in Dallas, and uh, and there was something about coming coming to Texas that seemed really good, mm-hmm. and uh, um, we did have a bunch of offers, but we really fell in love with San Antonio and the church there. And we felt mm-hmm. like this was a great place with great campuses, a great congregation, mm-hmm. um, and a very... And we were, we of course... Uh, San Antonio is over sixty percent Hispanic, yeah. and so we loved that. We mm-hmm. thought that was exciting. Right. You know, we mm-hmm. we 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 just were extremely happy. That's that's interesting. That's going to be great. we yeah. here. We go, and uh, and there we went. Right,
0: mm-hmm. Mike. You're in your sixties now. How old are you? Is it you're sixty three? I'm sixty three. Okay, so you guys are getting up there you are you're getting in your maturity you're still in your prime but you...
2: thank right.
1: you yes you've <laughs> had a long
0: long ministry career what are you most proud of when you look back on your mm. ministry career what mm-hmm. what stands out to you and you go wow that that just brings back some really warm feelings feelings of satisfaction
2: mm-hmm. i think um well that's that's a really good question i I think what I probably find the most joy in is just uh, I'm so I'm so proud in a in a hopefully in the good use of the word in scriptures. I'm so proud of the brothers in Brazil and Africa that have Mm. that have just been so exemplary, so strong. Just people that that disciples will get to meet and it's just Americans will meet. You get to meet them in heaven in there if Mm. if if not before, but. Um, just wonderful, wonderful people. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the friendships that we made, the relationships that have lasted a lifetime. Um, that Africa D group that we started back in 1989 uh, still meets every year, and we pull yeah. church leaders together, and we hang out, mm-hmm. and we laugh, and we talk, and we remember, and we pray, and we plan, and You know they're they're fully grown. It's not like we're discipling anybody. They disciple us as much as we disciple them. We've Mm. just kind of all grown up together, and it's just great friends, great faith, and uh, a a deep love for the continent of Africa and for Brazil as well. You know, we've San Antonio's become reconnected to São Paulo, Brazil, with the Hendersons going there, Uh, and so we're just so excited to be reconnected to Brazil and uh, and with Africa that's that's it's it's a beautiful thing.
3: I would have to say a lot of the same things. I think that we're all still friends hmm. you know we've been through ups and downs and challenges, hmm. but we all still really like each other <laughs> <laughs> To me I you know I just think wow hmm. that that's hard to do mm-hmm. you know because we all are broken people yeah and uh, so yeah. I, I think to me that, that that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm really proud of
0: uh, that
3: we all still love each other mm-hmm. we still get together
0: well that one thing that really stands out to me mike is and and, and Brigitte is your relationship with herve and janet florent mm-hmm. you knew them i pam's got a connection she mm-hmm. she met herve in a, in a class in umass boston yeah, so yeah. there's there's a connection mm-hmm. there but how, how have you maintained a, You know, how have you managed that relationship for so long? It just seems like a really strong relationship.
2: Oh, we love the Florence and they have been pillars in Africa Mm -hmm. um, uh, for just all those years. Just tremendous. uh, uh, We met, uh, I met Hervé when he came down to Sao Paulo to do a little summer uh, evangelistic couple of weeks we called it splash São <laughs> Paulo latin america summer harvest he came down for two weeks uh we met up again in cairo mm-hmm. but over the years such such dear friends I, I they it's just their devotion to the lord to the mission to us as friends and the teamwork is is outstanding and you know they lead a, a they lead a big chunk of the San Antonio Church, and they—they mm-hmm. they truly are co-leaders mm-hmm. uh, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And I—I—I I, I think it, they're just amazing people. So, mm-hmm. you know,
3: I, I think shared values, mm-hmm. and we enjoy each other. We enjoy mm-hmm. being together. We—I mm-hmm. um, think we have a shared bond over all those years in Africa. There's just something. I'm sure, you guys felt it too because you've been on the mission field. There's something about those people right. yeah. that you were on the mission field with mm-hmm. that you never lose that tie. You, right. You've got the memories. You've got the yeah. the really difficult things that yeah. you went through, the scary things, the joys, the highs, mm-hmm. lots and lots of highs and lows. And I so and then it just seemed so natural when they came to to uh, San Antonio mm-hmm. that they it just we fit like. Gloves. I mean, yeah. it just we awesome. yeah. have the same vision, the same. Yeah,
2: they're values. amazing church builders. Yeah, amazing yeah. disciples, and amazing friends. And then we have so, these. You add in these experiences of uh, you know, ru- you know, being in coups, of being in <laughs> riots. Yeah. So, uh, at one point in Abidjan, we're living in the government-controlled section, and they're not. You know, they're. It's like we were just the uh, the. The memories, though. We've been tear gassed. We've just mm-hmm. in all. It's just it's all. We got all these memories of yeah. crazy things that have happened in Africa that and we've D been a groups part of, and
3: yeah, time, yeah. and yeah,
2: mm-hmm. climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Yes, oh, yeah. we goes. did wow. that
3: together.
0: Can you share any stories that just stick with you? That just mm-hmm. you look back, you go, "Wow, that's that's something I'm never going to forget." Mm-hmm. I'm sure, there's many, but anything that just stands out to you as you think about it.
3: All those safaris.
1: <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> we ended up going on so many because people visited. We almost knew the names of the lions. No, um, <laughs> great stories, things that stick out.
2: Are you thinking from the last few, you, Africa anywhere? Yeah, can be like, anytime. Yeah. Can yeah. be anytime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one is that one stumps me because there's, I mean. There's so many. I, I I think about receiving a letter in Brazil uh, from a uh, a fellow named Elias in northern Mozambique, mm-hmm. and then uh, this was in the '80s when I was in Brazil, and the letter came to my house. It didn't even have a number on uh, apartment number, or anything. It was just a letter, and it came, and I got it, and we started corresponding, and then we lost contact with each other. He was a young minister. I was a young minister. He was in northern Mozambique, and then. Thirty, whatever years later, he finds me online with my email. <laughs> and I get a letter with a picture of it of Elias. Elias sent a picture with the letter that I had wrote him in Mozambique. and we had traded letters about training people and baptism and discipleship. And so we traveled. We actually traveled to northern Mozambique. And we were able to, 30 years later, and with the help of Alcides and Leslie, uh, they studied the Bible, they were baptized, we arrived. Their, their church is now uh, a part of the International Church of Christ. Wow. And we were able to reunite <laughs> after all wow. these years. So now there's this church of about 50 people in <laughs> northern Mozambique. Wow. And and, and it's just and he, he addressed the letter to uh, Church of Christ, Sao Paulo, Brazil. And the post office <laughs> gave it to us. Wow.
0: <laughs> That's, okay, but yeah. the correspondence, it's snail mail. It's it was bright, snail mail. Right. International right. mail yeah. in Portuguese. Right. Yes. He's writing to you in Portu- right. And you're yeah. writing back to him in Portuguese. Right. That's right. Oh, yeah. my god! And, wow. and then we
2: lost track of the move and everything. We didn't have his address. We lost wow. track of it. We didn't know how to get a hold of him. And life went on. <laughs> and That's then, amazing. And then here comes this. 30 years later. And wow. he
3: had he had taken the things that Mike had sent him, the study series, the articles on discipleship and all of these things, and had started seed fellowships. Like, how many was it? I mean, and they're going back through now mm-hmm. and teaching well, but it, it was some... Yeah, it, was, it was, was probably it was
2: eight or ten or whatever or more. And mm-hmm. he's going back now and helping people to... You know to all right let, let's let's think about maybe re- replaying this how to get how to become a christian tape right. yeah. let's let's replay this and let's see what everybody thinks and people are being baptized and it's wow. it's it's just it's a beautiful thing i mean i'll i'll never forget putting my hand on the tusk of a of an elephant standing there uh for that i say thank you to justin renton and duncan uh Comrie. And I was able to put my hand on the... I, I know he was really old.
3: And, and, <laughs> and medicated. <laughs> and maybe medicated. Highly medicated. But I was
2: standing there yeah. in the bush with, yeah. with, with my hand on the tusk of an elephant. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: you know, when you ask that question, the things I think that flash through my mind, there's, you know, there's big moments. Right. Um, 5,000 women at a Women's Day yeah, wow. in, in Johannesburg. But I think what I remember... When you ask that question, lots of meals, mm. lots of meals, in lots of different places,
1: mm.
3: fellowship, lots of different kinds of food. Right. Okay, I mean, we're like <laughs> <woo>! we've <laughs> eaten worms, and Mike's <laughs> eating crickets, oh, and and gosh. goats' eyeballs, and yeah. but that kind of I think that those flash through my mind, you know, mm. not necessarily. The, of course, there's the epic stories, but the being with people in their home, mm. the meals shared. Mm. the fellowship i think mm. is I probably a thread that runs through every place we've been mm-hmm. wow i love that people all over the world really love food
1: so. I <laughs> <laughs> that's,
3: over that's that. true yeah.
1: Yeah. there was
2: a there was a, a, a man who studied the bible and became a christian he had gone blind and um, and he lived in a in a informal settlement outside of nairobi called kibera That's uh, grown now to Maybe a half million people. There's no paved, or at least I don't. Not much paved of anything. It's just, it's a lot of squalor. It's it's a lot of poverty. But I would say there's some just phenomenal memories. Shem, who has gone on to heaven, just sitting in his house. He had a tin roof. He had a mud floor, and and just sitting in his house and eating chapati and mm-hmm. and learning of. Mm-hmm about africa as he Mm. explained how things worked and Mm. why you paid a bride price and all Mm. about how africa i remember you know just funny questions people were asking me mike if if george bush this is senior if he if he loses the election to bill clinton will he actually step down (laughs) (laughs) i said uh, said, yeah he absolutely will but he said how do you know Mm. what what does the army think (laughs) and i just thought and we would study the bible with shem and myself and others in cubeta and we would study the bible at night and i'd look up at that moon and i thought Mm. i'm so far from home Mm. my mom and dad cannot see this moon mm. i'm so far away right. but it was a beautiful experience wow mm.
3: learned so much wow. so rich
2: wow. one of the things you shared in the class
0: is you both have raised up 25 evangelists and women's ministry leaders yeah. i mean i that's just amazing it yeah. blows my mind it's so inspiring mm. it's one of the many things that in, inspires me about you guys <laughs> what's your philosophy i mean how do you do that like what's yeah. what's your approach can you give us some some practicals in terms mm-hmm. of uh, there's got to be a template involved in, in yeah. that drives you to raise up so many people mm-hmm. wow <laughs> excuse
2: me um we were just talking about great memories. I, I think the Spurs winning five times must be mentioned. Yes, right. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's not really
3: ministry memory, but it's, it's okay. Yeah. We lived in San Antonio. Yes.
2: World champion uh-huh. of the National no. Basketball no. Association. Uh, uh, <laughs> think about that for a moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, Template. Template
3: (laughs) training. Yeah. 25. Now
2: that's, that's actually evangelists and elders, excuse me. Okay. But it's that I've worked with personally. Is there a template? I, I believe God has just placed some really great people in our lives that we've, Mm. that we've had a chance to, to work with people that really love the Lord and, and wanted to learn and wanted to go and grow. And we've been in a place where, you know, we, we were blessed to be in churches that wanted to plant so Sao Paulo was excited to a point and you know let's yeah. let's get some evangelists ready to go to Rio and go whatever now we left and didn't, that wasn't our that wasn't for us but Johannesburg sent out lots of teams all over the place so we get we were able to get connected with with really great people uh, like like Hervé okay. or, or like Nietzsche or Richard Olaway or Justin Renton or, or many many others and, uh, and then I, I think just, just really focusing on being friends and just really focusing on, on just trying to teach everything I possibly could mm-hmm. uh, in terms of being an evangelist. And I, I, feel, like, I feel like discipling is just beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It is a God-given plan. It, blessed, it has blessed my life. And I would say, you know, right now, uh, Tom Ziegler, Hervé, um, Dan Neighbors. There's just, there's, there's a lot of people. And, and some of them now are young, you know, because now the guys that I'm working with in the ministry, some of them are the age of my children. Wow. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're yeah. guys who are 30 and 33 years old. Yeah. And I'm still working, you know, with them I'm, I'm there. <laughs> and uh, and I, I just, I love the, I still love the friendship, the fun, and the, um, the adventure that it is every day.
3: I think a lot of it, too, is is the vision you have for people, but understanding that you there's no quick fix, there's no, it, it takes time to mm-hmm. walk with people, mm-hmm. uh, it takes time to teach people how to be effective, not only how to study the Bible, but how to raise up a Bible talk leader to take their place and, and to keep going. I think character is a huge thing, because I think the thing that we've seen over the years, and I'm sure you guys have seen it, too, you can have really talented people Mm -hmm. but if they're not open to god molding their character Mm -hmm. that talent goes to waste Mm -hmm. it really does and so i think that it was a it was a combined effort of what does your character need to be to face the storms Mm -hmm. to raise up others to Mm -hmm. build and plant well uh, you know learning all those things Mm -hmm. resiliency humility Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. confidence, whatever. I mean, all those things, right? I think that that's really important. And so I think in my mind, I look at young women that I work with, and I think, what would it look like for her to be ready hmm. to lead a church? She's not ready right now, and I know that, to lead the women in a church, not, not lead the church. Um, so what what do I need to be helping her with what are the big rocks that we need to get in first Mm -hmm. you know because you can pick on the micro things but if there's a lot of times if there's a character thing that they really grasp whether it's something that needs to be grown in or repented of some of those other things fall into place Mm -hmm. and so i kind of try to look forward and then work from there Mm -hmm. you know so in my mind there's a template, it's not exact, right? right? But I think, where do I want them to be in three months or in six months or mm-hmm. a year? What mm-hmm. would it look like mm-hmm. if three years from now they're going to have their own ministry, right. lead their own region? Right. What needs to be in place right. for that? I love that. Mm.
0: That's a great, great yes. insight. Just getting the big rocks dealt with first mm-hmm. and that, that's very helpful.
2: Just, uh, I, I think um, thinking, if I could back up for a moment. Go ahead. Thinking about great memories. San Antonio has been an amazing congregation for us. They mm-hmm. really took us in, loved mm-hmm. us, loved our children. It's been a, it's it's a great city. It's a great congregation of very friendly people. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. extremely yeah. loving, and that little congregation took on the job of hosting the world in 2012. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was there. I know Mountain we the were Lord. there. Yeah, and there, I mean, I yeah, we were sitting in the locker room where the Spurs usually are, mm-hmm. and we we're, we're, it just. There were eighteen thousand people yep. that it was came awesome. yep. to that summit. I think that was a That's high a favorite water memory. Yes. Yes. Yeah, That was sure. a high water yeah. mark, and I thank that. And mm. and then I think too, you know, the uh, planting of College Station mm-hmm. from San Antonio and Corpus Christi, mm-hmm. those were high water marks to mm. see. Uh, I feel like San Antonio is just, is as uh, it's just it's been amazing. It's yeah. been fun to watch it go from. 270 people to over 600 wow. that's wow. that's been that's amazing. amazing and yeah. just and the church is still dreaming of having great impact so we 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 just love the people we love yes the food and, and we <laughs> Probably love, a little too much yeah probably a little too much uh, um, and i'm just so proud of the church mm. and in, and I'm, I'm i'm so excited about the partnership that we have in yeah. texas yeah the closeness between yeah. the churches and mm-hmm. the, the right. partnership that we have—Dallas, uh, Houston, Austin—all yeah. the churches—it's a—it's a, it's a great—it's a great thing. So we found that um, that we continue to—we're—we we're, we don't live looking backward; mm-hmm. we're we're looking forward, hmm. and we still feel. Uh, let me quote Tom Brown, uh, the first preacher I heard in the ICOC. The, the uh, our best days are in front of us. That's the right. The best that's is yet right. to
1: come. The
0: best is yet to come.
1: Wow. I well, as that.
0: we talk about going forward, mm-hmm. that's a great segue into my next question: Is what our family church is maybe about one hundred twenty-five thousand, something like that, over a hundred thousand? How are we going to get to a million? Yeah. Like if. if you know, what, what's what would be your plan, Mike, if you're king of the world and you said okay, of the world, we, gotta, we gotta get to a million here by twenty fifty. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: what do you feel like it would take? I I'm very interested in knowing what would it take for us to start really growing significantly again and really making a, a massive, massive difference mm-hmm. impact.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think to get to a million, I, I I believe we're going to get to a million and beyond. And I'm, I wonder how long it took the early church to get to a million. Mm-hmm. I want I think we want to be careful that we don't rush it. Right. Uh, and in the past, mm-hmm. we've all seen examples yeah. at times where things got a little bit rushed mm-hmm. and whatever. But I do believe one thing we need to do right now is I think we as a fellowship need to refocus on the training of ministers and mm-hmm. discipling. Mm-hmm. We used to be called the discipleship movement. Right, right. right. The discipling movement, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that has that's has that faded from our 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 collective mm-hmm. whatever DNA or muscle memory, and and we need to be that's a Bible concept that right. needs that needs to stay mm-hmm. in that needs to stay in the forefront. Yeah. We're not training ministers as fast as we have in the past. Mm-hmm. We're I think we're training them well. We're we're much more academically oriented, which there's I'm a I'm a big fan. I'm, that's great. We don't need to diminish any academic impact, but we do need to have more ministers able to step up and get training. Yeah. That we need to restore, and I and and build on, and look forward to going forward to reach a million. Uh, I don't think it'll be billboards and stadiums it's going to be <laughs> one-on-one yeah. right. as as disciples make disciples that make disciples yeah. like the early church grew and that's always been our pattern mm-hmm. and i think um focusing on that churches focusing on that thinking about that as we formulate budgets and as we look forward as congregations i think that's a that's a big need in our churches mm-hmm.
3: I agree. I think that the whole discipling, Mm -hmm. it is a good plan, right? God gave us the plan. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, I talked with the women this morning, but I I really still believe that the core, one of our core values is Matthew 28, Mm -hmm. 18 through 20, that Jesus still wants us to go into the world and teach people about him and make mm-hmm. disciples and baptize them yeah. and and teach them everything. Right. I mean, we don't right. want to just baptize them and leave them, right? I mean, there's a lot of nurturing that needs to happen and a lot of discipling that needs to happen, healthy discipling, healthy mm-hmm. relationships. But I really believe that, that that's a really good plan yes. God gave yes. us. <laughs> and I think to really, uh, I think we can get overly um enamored with programs Mm -hmm. um not that they're bad but i don't don't think that that's going to get us to a million Mm -hmm. disciples right Mm -hmm. right
1: right right yeah it's so true
0: well it's been great to great to talk to you guys and there's so much more on my mind that i i i could tie you guys up for the next five hours (laughs) but i'm not going to yeah we need more time (laughs) but (laughs) yeah i'd like to Finish with one final question. Yeah. What advice would you give to the person, the man or the woman, mm-hmm. who wants to make this life count? Who yeah. wants to live a no regrets life and, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches? What What would you tell them? Mm-hmm. Where Where should they start? In their Bible,
3: <laughs> <laughs> which might seem simplistic, yeah. I th- I really think number one realizing that it will be with God. Um, if I want to make an impact, I really need to be surrendered to where you're going to take me. Yes. Not my will, but his will. And that seemed, that's kind of an umbrella perspective, right? But I, I think that day to day, if I string a lot of days together where I say, God, just use me mm-hmm. today. Open it up help me to, I mean, I want to have, I have great plans, but help me do it today. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes again, I we can have these grand plans, but it really is a day-to-day walk with God, isn't it? Mm. And I think I look back and I never, ever thought we would do what we did, but it's just stringing days of surrender to God together Mm. and and then watch him do stuff that you just, I mean, I couldn't have. Written that script
1: right. mm. yeah.
3: of all the things that we've been able to be a part of that wow. He's put us there. So wow. I think I have to keep it simple, yeah. you know, for mm. myself anyway.
1: Yeah, well, well said. Yeah.
2: I think for me, I always just uh, I was beginning all the way back in Colorado and in Abilene. Lord, here am I. Where, mm. I don't I don't know where you want me, but right. I I, will, I want to be used by you. Mm-hmm. Just lead me to people that can help me and that I can help and that can help me to grow. Just lead me and God, could you just, I'm here, I'm here and I really need you. And I I found that God has really uh, blessed us in in that way and led us to people and and put us in the places where we needed to be. Even including that day, my son Joshua and I drove into <laughs> Rogue Valley. <laughs> that was awesome. And went to church yes. and realized the minister <laughs> is Rob Skinner, <laughs> and there's Pam. <laughs> and we,
1: that was awesome. And that was, <laughs> we made and, a memory.
2: And we renewed our friendship <laughs> yeah, yeah, with yeah. the Skinners that yeah. day. That's that right. That was really special. Did a hot news video. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs>
0: Well, Mike That's, and Amber, G, thank you so much for your time. And it, yeah. it's just very moving to to hear your story and to see the way God's used you. Yeah, it's just it's really amazing. It's very inspiring mm-hmm. uh, to be called by God so so young and to be used your entire life mm-hmm. for Him and, and many more years in the future. Yeah, Lord uh, willing. Yes, so we're just very uh, grateful for you and grateful for the time. Thank you for joining me on the program.
3: Thanks for having us. God, God bless. Yeah, thank you, guys.
0: What a pleasure. Thank Thank you so much for joining the Rob Skinner podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it and how to find it. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.